Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Season two is A Practical Treatise of Fear by John Flavel. But we are apt to take their own boasts for truth and believe their power to be such as they vainly vogue it to be, whereas in truth all our enemies are sustained by Christ. Colossians 1.17 They are bounded and limited by Christ. Revelation 2.10 Providence hath its influences upon their hearts and wills immediately. Jeremiah 15.11 Psalm 106.46 So that they cannot do whatever they would do, but their wills as well as their hands are ordered by God. <clears throat> Jacob was in Laban's and in Esau's hands. Both hated him, but neither could hurt him. David was in Saul's hand, who hunted for him as a prey, yet is forced to dismiss him quietly, blessing instead of slaying him. Melanchthon and Pomeran both fell into the hands of Charles V, than whom Christendom had not a more prudent prince, nor the Church of Christ a fiercer enemy. Yet he treats these great and active reformers gently, dismisseth them freely, not once forbidding them to preach or print the doctrine which he so much opposed and hated. O Christian, if ever thou wilt get above thy fears, settle these things upon thy heart by faith. Number one, that the reins of government are in Christ's hands. Enemies, like wild horses, may prance and tramp up and down the world as though they would tread down all that are in their way. But the bridle of providence is in their mouths and upon their proud necks. Second Kings nineteen twenty eight, And that bridle hath a strong curb. Number two, the care of the saints properly pertains to Christ. He is the head of the body. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, our consulting head, and it were a reproach and dishonor to Christ to fill our heads with distracting cares and fears when we have so wise an head to consult and contrive for us. Number three, you have lived all your days upon the care of Christ hitherto. No truth is more manifest than this, that there hath been a wisdom beyond your own, that hath guided your ways, Jeremiah 10.23, a power above your own, that hath supported your burdens, Psalm 73.26, a spring of relief out of yourselves, that hath supplied all your wants, Luke 23.35, he hath performed all things for you. Number four, Jesus Christ hath secured his people by many promises to take care of them, how dangerous soever the times may be. Ecclesiastes 8.12, Psalm 76.10, Amos 9.8.9, Romans 8.28. 
Oh, if these things were thoroughly believed and well improved. Fears could no more distract or afflict our hearts than storms or clouds could trouble the upper region. But we forget his providences and promises, and so are justly left in the hands of our own fears to be afflicted for it. Rule 11. Subject your carnal reasonings to faith and keep your thoughts more under the government of faith if ever you expect a composed and quiet heart in distracting evil times. <clears throat> he that layeth aside the rules of faith and measure all things by the rule of his own shallow reason will be his own bugbear. If reason may be permitted to judge all things and to make its own inferences and conclusions from the aspects and appearances of second causes, your hearts shall have no rest day nor night. This alone will keep you in continual alarms. And yet how apt are the best men to measure things by this rule and to judge of all God's designs and mysterious providences by it. In other things, it is the judge and arbiter, and therefore we would make it so here too. And what it concludes and dictates, we are prone to believe because its dictates are backed and befriended by sense whence it gathers its intelligence and information. O quam sapiens argumentatrix sibi videtur ratio humana. How wise and strong do its arguments and conclusions seem to us, saith Luther. This carnal reason is the thing that puts us into such confusions of mind and thoughts. It is this that, number one, quarrels with the promises, shakes their credit and our confidence in them. Exodus fifty-two twenty-three. Number two, it is this that boldly limits the divine power, and assigns it boundaries of its own fixing, Psalm 78, 20, 41. <clears throat> Three, it is carnal reason that draws desperate conclusions from providential appearances and aspects, 1 Samuel 27, 1, and prognosticates our ruin from them. Number four, it is this carnal reason that puts us upon sinful shifts and indirect courses to deliver and save ourselves from danger, which do but the more perplex and entangle us. Isaiah 30, 15 and 16. Number five, it is mostly from our arrogant reasonings that our thoughts are discomposed and divided. From this fountain it is that they flow into our hearts in multitudes when dangers are near. Psalm 94, 16 and 42, 1. All these mischiefs owe themselves to the exorbitant actings and intrusions of our carnal reasons, but these things ought not to be so. This is beside rule for number one, though there be nothing in the matters of faith or providence contrary to right reason, yet there are many things in both 
quite above the reach and beyond the ken of reason, Isaiah 55, 8. And number two, the confident dictates of reason are frequently confuted by experience all the world over. It is every day made a liar, and the frights it puts us into proved to be vain and groundless. Isaiah 51, 13. Nothing can be better for us than to resign up our reason to faith, to see all things through the promises, and trust God over all events. Rule 12. To conclude, exalt the fear of God in your hearts and let it gain the ascendant over all your other fears. This is the prescription in my text for the cure of all our slavish fears, and indeed, all the forementioned rules for the cure of sinful fears run into this and are reducible to it. For, number one, doth the knowledge and application of the covenant of grace cure our fears? The fear of God is both a part of that covenant and an evidence of our interest in it. Jeremiah thirty-two forty. Number two, doth sinful fear plunge men into such distresses of conscience? Why, the fear of God will preserve your ways clean and pure, Psalm 19.9. And so, those mischiefs will be prevented. Number three, doth foresight and provision for evil days prevent distracting fears when they come? Nothing like the fear of God enables us to such a prevision and provision for them, Hebrews 11.7. Number four, do we relieve ourselves against fear by committing all to God? Surely it is the fear of God that drives us to him as our only asylum and sure refuge, Malachi 3.16. They feared God and thought upon his name, i.e. they meditated on his name, which was their refuge, his attributes, their chambers of rest. Number five, must our affections to the world be mortified before our fears can be subdued? This is the instrument of mortification, Nehemiah 5.15. Number six, do the worthy examples of those that are gone before us tend to the cure of our cowardice and fears? Why, the fear of God will provoke you in an holy self-jealousy, lest you fail of the grace they manifested and come short of those excellent patterns. Hebrews twelve fifteen. Number seven, is the assurance of interest in God and the pardon of sin such an excellent antidote against slavish fear? Why, he that walks in the fear of God shall walk in the comforts of the Holy Ghost also. Acts nine thirty one. 8. Is integrity of heart and way such a fountain of courage in evil times? No reader, no grace promotes this integrity and upright more than the fear of God doth. Proverbs 16.6 and 23.17. Number 9. 
do the reviving of past experiences suppress sinful fears? No doubt this was the subject which the fear of God put them upon for mutual encouragement, Malachi 3.16. Number 10. Are the providences of God in this world such cordials against fear? The fear of God is the very character and mark of those persons over whom his providence shall watch in the difficultest times. Ecclesiastes 8.12 11. Doth our trusting in our own reason and making it our rule and measure breed so many fears? Why, the fear of God will take men off from such self-confidence and bring them to trust the faithful God with all doubtful issues and events, as the very scope of my text fully manifests. Fear not their fear. Their fear, moving by the direction of carnal reason, drove them not to God, but to the Assyrian for help. Follow not you their example in this. But how shall they help it? Why, sanctify the Lord of hosts and make him your fear. This concludes part 25 of John Flavel's A Practical Treatise of Fear.